G'day community and welcome to the Jock Reynolds podcast coming to you live with Damo and Patch. It's been a nightmare getting this set up but we're here, the season's over. We're here to celebrate a huge season of Supercoach as we go into the AFL Grand Final Series. I want to shout out Telebeats. I want to shout out Patch before I throw to everyone. If you haven't caught up, we haven't even spoken since Jock, Higo and Crouching One all made their return in the final round of Supercoach season, they made the greatest the greatest piece of content that's ever been on the on the website, to be quite frank, the Meditation Podcast. Make sure you do check that out. It's on the front page and it'll be there probably forever. And they also did great little contributions to our general soreness podcast. But gentlemen, I'm here, I'm happy, and I'm glad to be talking to you, Patch. How are you? I'm good i'm here i'm queer i don't want any more bears um lovely to be with you how are you let dog oh mate i'm the week off's done me good i've missed football but the week off has i'm in a good place i'm in a good place and... yeah, that 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 meditation pod just set the groundwork for the rest of the year really it's just incredible Oh, my mental health has improved dramatically, and um, while there's a bit of humour in that, it's actually it's actually a pretty good little mindfulness pod. So I'm feeling good uh, listening to Damo's dulcet tones throughout this pre-recording. How are you, you beautiful bastard? I'm good. I'm good. Everything is finally on track, so it's good th- that we got all this together, and I was able to sit down with you guys again because it's been a little while hasn't it it has you've been been kind of long yeah you've been mia for much of the season um which coincided with with a certain player uh it's kind of not performing as well and then you've you've surged back and you've surged back and it's good it's good to have you back (laughs) let's not beat around the bush if we're going to talk racial breakout this is the racial breakout pod let's just get straight into it so I mean, who I believe you first? two were the two who uh, were arguing. I was merely a bystander from memory, so I'll leave it out. The floor's open to you. Hey, Lek, who coined the uh, hashtag Brace or Break My Team? <laughs> I believe it's an unattributed unattributed uh, quote. I certainly have never made many hashtags myself. Uh, refresh my memory. It was you, mate. <laughs> was it? it did I make the you. bet or did Patch make the bet? Just remind me of that. I feel like I wouldn't have made a bet. It was a bet with both of you. Yeah. Well, let's have a look at yeah, it. How did he? How did he go? I didn't pay much attention to him throughout the season. All how right. Old... Let's 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 read you some numbers then. Sixty-six. Not great. Eighty-eight. Eighty-two. Seventy-eight. 144, 122, 102, 136, 106, bye, 150, 67, 122, 115, 63, 118, 86, 77, to average 101.3. Hmm. Fifth, fifth ranked forward for total points. It's not bad. 
He was okay, uh, I guess. It's all right. Patch, what are your thoughts? Very inconsistent. Very inconsistent. Very inconsistent. I, I certainly wouldn't run or ride that roller coaster. The um, um, all of the times he was in my team, he scored terribly. He didn't didn't turn up too many times when he was in my side. So as far as as far as what the evidence presented in front of me, Your Honor, he he wasn't a success. He he did more breaking than breaking out. Well, that's that's partly due to the fact that for some reason his time on ground was next to nothing for a lot of the time for some reason i don't understand why because he is a renowned long distance runner look 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 i'm i'm not too big i'll 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 plonk him on the table demo i'm glad i didn't have to endure the roller coaster but i dare say that andrew brayshaw in a super coach sense may have broken out this year and your calculator didn't predict it. Calculator doesn't couldn't couldn't uh, calculate for shortened quarters. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll give you that. Good because if you if you were going to disparage the beast calculator, I mean, after the stern talking to we gave you earlier in the season, we'd be ending this. We'd be ending. Right now. We would. Um, but Patch, both be... the results speak for themselves. I mean, he was okay. Sure, fine. Fine. He was. He he did things. He did things. Um, Matt Rail might have broken the beast calculator. By the way, rip in peace, beast calculator. Anyway, we we did have a bet. Do you have the terms of said bet lying around somewhere? I believe this podcast, as we are speaking, is the is is my end of winning the bet. There's this podcast is the Brayshaw Breakout podcast. But what, what were that's the terms great, we said? Did, did we not say... all there that? was to it. Yep, that's all there was. And moving right along, right along. Well, there's a few people we should probably shout out, Patch in, in, and Damo, in the ranking. Shout out to Jason Crosby's, who, who won the whole bloody thing. There's a, a lazy 50 grand in your pocket. You're welcome. He won by 110 points over the next best uh, dilemmas, Josh. George, Supercoach, the fat side at Supercoach Talk, he took out third. And our man, General Soreness, just fell away in the in the last leg and, and, and fell to fourth. But an amazing, incredible effort from the beautiful man. Absolutely. Full hats off to him because he just did, he did an incredible job the whole way through and we're bloody proud of him. Bloody proud of him. We also had a few very high performers in the JR community group. So shout out to Rowan. For some reason, uh, General Saunas not in this group. So that stings. Ooh, that stings ooh. the pride. But Rowan, Verdun66, finished 20, 20th overall. Shane Stevenson, FC. Kyle, he finished 46th. Lever wanting more. Great name. James, 75th. Pizza Safety. David, 84. And then a bunch of people in the top 500. Well done. To all them on a huge season. And fellas, Damo, gentlemen, we don't have to talk about our personal ranks because um, some of us did very well, some of us didn't do very well. But what was your, how did you feel about the overall season? It was an odd one, Patch. And what were some highlights? What were some lowlights? And, and what were you, what's the vibe? Um, I don't know. It's kind of Marbo. It's the vibe, you know? Um, no, it was, a, it was kind of fun just being able to just throw the normal Supercoach rulebook out the window and just say, it does, who knows what's happening this year? We didn't know, you know, fixtures in advance. We didn't know 
how many buyers would be coming up. We didn't know who would have buyers when. It kind of meant you just kind of threw caution, not even just to the wind, you threw the caution to the dogs and then just ran at it, which was a lot of fun. Um, and a lot of people got really involved. Um, it was, yeah, the, the website went absolutely nuts this year um, as it tends to do, but it was just a bit of fun there. It, it was kind of nice to somehow managed to ride all of the waves reasonably well for, for from personal point of view. I somehow didn't trade in too many duds um, and only kind of fell away in the last two rounds. So it was nice to actually, you know, hit, I think 149 was as high as I got through the year. Um, so it was kind of nice on a personal level there. And also hang Jeff. out with you, you two beautiful pe- people and the rest of <laughs> As well as everyone else on as the well website. We love all those beautiful humans. Jeffrey Head's best part of the... Season was owning Brayshaw, which takes me to you, Damo. How was your season? How do you summarize it? How do you feel now that it's all over from a Supercoach point of view? Well, unless you're playing Supercoach Finals on jockreynolds.com.au, although if you're listening to this, you've already missed out. So (laughs) This year turned into a year where I experimented quite a bit because I felt like every player I touched got injured. So I decided to experiment and pretty much throw my team into the bin at about round 10. Um, So my midfield ended with Tim Taranto and Harry Schoenberg at the the two final midfield on field positions, Um, a donut in the forward line and a defense so strong it couldn't hold up the rest of my team. I mean, you had a donut in your forward line better than what I had at F6. What did, what did, what did you, you have, have at F6? F6 Big Levi Kasbolt was the most 2020 trade of all time in that I bought him How did in he go in round uh, 23? Uh, round 18. The final round 18, round sorry. Scored, um, have a guess. I want you to both have a wild guess at what Levi Well, I've scored. just looked it up. <laughs> I've just Damo, have, up. A, have a guess. 27? More, higher than that. 43. Ooh, less than that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's settle down. It was 38. He scored 38 for the which, final round of the season. For which... the record, 24 less than James Stewart's 62. <sighs> well, I I did suggest Stephen Motlop, who scored 73. But Stephen Motlop's round 17 was garbage. He scored like eight. He scored 64. <laughs> he scored like eight plus a, a few more. Anyway, let's not get too caught up in the details and the nitty gritty yes. uh, of because it was Levi Casbolt. It's twenty twenty, baby. That was just the year the, that summed it up. And I, I think I one. ended up with Charlie Cameron and benched him for a rookie score. So that's where we ended up. But I, fellas, look, I had a lot of fun this year. There was a few moments where I'd lost my mind and was wishing it was all over. But I tell you, I miss it already. I had a ball. I feel like the community was huge this year. I think everyone listening and tuning into the live streams and jumping on the website, I think it was just awesome. And with, you know, from, from JREL at the start of the year where we invented a fantasy game to fill the void to where we got, I think it's been a, a huge year. And I want to thank all the boys at Supercoach and at the Herald Sun who actually did a good job of keep making sure we could continue to play and yeah, I don't know. Shout out to all the all the different communities, everyone. I, I, you know, we consume a lot of Supercoach content. We can't shout everyone out, but we love you all, and we're glad that uh, everyone's pretty friendly in the community. So it's been a lot of fun. Enough it, of that. It oh, really sorry, felt like go, 
it, it really felt like we all wrapped our arms around each other this season and supported everyone's decision, no matter ha- what result it had for our, for our super coach teams. It was more of a, instead of a telling people not to select a certain player, almost every community looked, looked at a reason to select that player, even if they weren't going to select it themselves. They, they supported the whole experiment this season, go for gold sort of thing. Like this season was was the year that every community seemed to come together, wrap their arms around everyone and support each other in the Supercoach game. And it was really, it was really good to see. No, it was awesome, Damo. I, I, yeah, I felt that, that vibe as well. It was really nice and it's 2020 baby became enough of a reason to do just about whatever you wanted, regardless of the circumstances. I traded Max Gorn in and out of my team three times. So, and I started with him. It's 2020 baby. Fellas, I just wanted to look. Let's let's talk some numbers. I wanted to look at a few players that that did the season really well. Obviously, I think we all called Lockie Neal to be the top scorer uh, for the year at the start of the year, and he did that reasonably comfortable. Um, so, interestingly enough, this year, I feel like total points is really underrated uh, as a stat that people look at. We look at averages and stuff, but this year, I think players who played durable players tend to tend to tended to come out on top and with, with one exception um, which was max with, with one exception patch that's right i don't know if you've got the numbers in front of you i do i do so yeah you look you look down the list all of the top you know 20 odd players 30 odd players all played uh 17 games except for one being big max gorn who finished ninth overall in total points with 1958 points average of 140 if you don't mind. Um, yeah, it was rather good. It was rather good. Yeah, so only one, two, three, only six players cracked 2,000 points total this year. Petrarca ended on 1998, Bontempelli 1974, and then Max Gorn 1958 with three less games played. Now, you can't tell me you're not going to be starting him next year, Damo. I'm going to be starting Max Gorn next year. Good chance I do. He's going to be $800,000 or something. (laughs) Is there any players that you won't be starting next year despite their good form this season? Christian Petrarca. As a mid-only pot option. As a mid-only pot option, I will... I'm assuming he's going to be mid-only. If if he's forward only, you pick him. You just absolutely pick him. I'm assuming he won't get that forward eligibility because he played pure guts, despite what the All-Australian selectors thought, but we're not opening that can of worms. Um... Yeah, I think I'll just give him a miss until we we see a bit more of what Melbourne are doing if they're going to try and change up their game plan to you know be good at football. Um, you'd think that involves leaving Petrarca in the middle, but I think there'll be there'll be plenty of other more value options, and we'll, we might see Petrarca dip just a little bit. Maybe I could be wrong. I reserve the right to flip flop on anything and everything I say at all times on this podcast. And yeah, and do you think that? Ruckman will fall back into the really good ones averaging well and the really average one averaging ones averaging not quite as much because this year it seemed like even if you were a rookie ruck you were averaging at least 75 whereas previously rookie rucks hadn't been that good and the and the more prominent Ruckman had been really really good um this year it seems like if you were a Ruckman you were going to score at least 90 points in a game I think it depends on if any rule changes happen also length of games my gut feel 
without really thinking about it is that r- the shorter games meant Ruckman could ruck one out longer. Maybe their impact was more heavily swayed because uh, just because there's less junk time and there's less points to be sort of given around. I like guys like Paddy Cripps, for instance. I think a lot of his value last year came from late in games, being able to generate a lot of points in big moments, in bursts, in those force quarters. Like one of his strengths was being able to tire down his opponents. And I think when you take that out of some players' games and you take some of the junk time points out, they're going to go into the Ruckman just because they're around it more. I, I, I don't know if that's an accurate statement. I feel like it might level out a little bit, but I still think they're going to be pretty pretty dominant. A guy that I'm probably not looking at starting as well, just to to talk about him, is Jack Steele at 100 and or mm. at however much he's going to be. He's averaged 122.5 this year. Was the second highest scorer, but I just think when it comes out and the the starting prices are there, I'm going to look at a guy like Clayton Oliver or Jack McRae instead, and probably back them in again. Um, there's no logic behind that. I just I just feel like I'm I'm probably it's probably going to take a little bit more to get me to start Jack Steele next year. See, that's interesting because Jack Steele is currently, I know it's a very, very early point in the season. It's not even 2021 yet, but when I'm thinking about my 2021 team and who I want to start with, he's almost locked in at the top. Interesting. 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 What's what? the uh, What's the logic? Uh, durability. Um, he rarely gets tagged. He's he's usually the tagger or, or the run wither. So he and and he manages to score well regardless. So I think he's the one. Uh, I just think durability, scoring potential, um, the fact that he seems to be the big man in that St Kilda midfield. He's top of my list, and we saw Lockie Neal get shut down by Ryan Clark late in the season, and I don't know if that was fatigue from Lockie Neal not being able to push through it or if he genuinely cannot break a tag. I think he does struggle with a tag, but I still think he's going to score, you know, if it's a full season next year, like 3,000 points. So, yeah. so um, Speaking of top dogs in midfields, um, obviously the sensation of the year at the start of the season was one Matthew Rowell. Five games into his career, he's the top dog in the Gold Coast midfield. You know, was injured tragically very early on in the piece, doing his shoulder, already started pre-season training, according to the AFL socials. Are we starting him next year? Because he'll get an injury yep. discount. I, are we starting yep. him? Yep. With the injury discount, he's going to be about 500 grand. Yep. This is Clay- Clayton Oliver again. Clayton Oliver was obviously cheaper in his breakout year, but, mate, I'm starting him and Sam Walsh, and I'm plugging my ears and not thinking about it anymore. Put him in. Good call. Good call. Like Chuck it. Chuck in Andy McGrath as well. Chuck him in. I'm going all the young boys. Bailey Smith for good measure. Nah. Adam Chera. <laughs> Adam Chera. Yeah, when he gets traded down to Geelong, I'll um, <laughs> I'll bring him in. <laughs> um, Thanks, mate. Damo, don't you ever post a picture of Patrick Cripps in Freo Dockers. In fact, don't respond to it. Don't like it because it came up my feet. I'm still upset about it. <laughs> couple other guys I wanted to flag as as good seasons. So you know, p- people were upset. I shouldn't say people. Generally, I felt like the vibe of a Jack McRae and Patrick Dangerfield, people were pretty down on them this year, but they've both been top 10 players. I just think good players continue to be good. Even Tom Mitchell, who I was pretty down on this year, 
was 11th overall. There's no huge surprises in this top 20. There's some. Menegola, Lions, Petrarca are probably the the three surprises. Luke I, Parker was in there again. I guess the main thing about this year was averages seemed to be inflated and deflated a little bit depending on which who, who, who the player was. If the player generally averaged around 60 to 70, we found this year due to the shortened games, their average deflated a bit. And if and the players that usually average around the high 90s, low 100s, they usually inflated a little bit. So we found that uh, you, your players like, for example, Luke Shuey, he seems to struggle to average higher than 100. This year, apart from his injury-affected games, he would have averaged around 105-plus. Um I haven't checked my maths on that, but that's, that seems... To, I remember seeing that somewhere on Twitter. Um, so he, he probably inflated his average by about 10 points or so, whereas you saw players like uh, key forwards who weren't getting their hands on the ball get their averages deflated despite what that they're able to, to do in games. Well, key forwards all except for one who I want to bring up. And I know Leck and I spoke about him a fair bit at the back end of the season. Tom Hawkins finished as the second best forward behind Christian Petrarca, who was basically a midfielder. So for people playing in the forward line, Tom Hawkins was the best. Scored 1,799 points, averaged 105, including a ridiculous double ton during the season. I mean, can we, we've just overlooked him for being a key forward for years now. And we've, you know, 2020 has made us realize the value of having just points. Tom Hawkins just plays games. Sure, he's getting towards the, you know, the the long in the tooth stage of his career. But surely, surely he's someone you'd consider next year unless Geelong, Geelong's list falls off a cliff. Look, his price is going to be a little bit high, probably for my liking. Here's the thing, and I've got a piece I'm working on which will explore Tom Hawkins a little bit. Um, He's generally, over the last three seasons, so last year he was 73rd overall, the season before he was 53rd overall. As a forward, if you're averaging, you know, 85, you're still going to be that upper echelon and you, as long as you play the majority of games, you're going to be in that upper echelon of forwards come the end of the season. I think we overlook it. We try and find guys who are going to break out and, and average 100 and we, you know, we pick, we look at guys like Ben Long and Brayshaw Breakout did actually work out for him, but we've tried and find these breakout options. But often, I think I think with forwards, we just need to look for total points, guys who are consistently going to get 85-plus in play the majority of games. I think it's going to end up balancing out at the end of the year. So uh, it's not a huge surprise to me that he, that he finished so well. Um, I think that'll taper down a little bit next year, but I still think he's going to be in that top six forward discussion. And for me... The most important thing next year is going to be finding guys who play games consistently and can deliver okay points at least. And I've tried to do that this year with a lot of my selections. And the ones that worked were the guys who were durable and consistent, but the ones that didn't <laughs> were not that. The last time I started a key forward over 500k was Nick Rewalt in his second last season. And On the wing. Yes, and I believe he averaged about, and I think he was good for a score of about 100 most weeks, and then he got injured. But yes. he had raised to about 650k at that point, so I literally turned him and a rookie into two other players. Like, it's 
and that's the the benefit. Like Tom Hawkins, he's shown he can go big and he can jack that price up. This guy, he's outscored Hugh Greenwood, Lockie Whitfield, Brayshaw, Dustin Martin, Jai Simkin. He's outscored all of these guys, and they're all considered locks. He ended up only in 4.4% of teams, and I think we really need to focus more, and I say this at the start of every year, but never follow through. We need to focus on guys with total points. Now, one guy who I think I said this about at the start of this year patch was, or it might have been the start of last year, was like Josh Kennedy who fell off a cliff. So there is a danger to it. But you can probably foresee that as it's happening and, and jump ship if required. But I think generally, yeah, find the guys who play a lot of games and and not necessarily looking for those breakout options. I think another attitude that I'm going to take, Patch, moving forward is I tried to find the breakout players at the start of the year, and I've spoken to you about this before uh, on the pod even maybe. But big focus of mine is going to be not looking for them at the start of the season, just picking them up as they put their hands up because I went searching and they didn't most of the guys didn't put their hands up till the second half of the year. That's like your Jordan Dawson's and, and whatnot. Um, so that's something I'm going to be focused on next year. It's going to be getting as many points into my team at the start of the year and catching up with the breakout players later on. I don't know if your guys, you guys have any different tactics patch. I think it'll probably depend very much on the rookie situation for next year, because obviously we've had a lot of kids get a lot of games this year, which will inflate their price for next year. Um, like Finn McGuinness comes in, plays one game, price is bumped up to what, 180K next year. A lot of these players that you know normally wouldn't have got a run, but because of condensed games um, or condensed fixtures, rather, they got a run. And if we, you know, the, this year's draft crop, half of them or maybe a third of them for being from Victoria won't have played for 12 months or will have only had a few games at the end of this year, they're not going to be match fit. They're not going to be ready to, to break into teams round one. You might get some like Lockie Jones or Logan McDonald who might be ready to go, but then being you know top 10 picks or top 20 picks, they'll be more expensive. So if we've got to funnel all this money you know, into into rookies to actually get a, get a squad, then that could mean we just aren't able to, to grab some of these just tried, trusted, proven performers that are going to play the 22 games and play 22 games this year because they might be too expensive to, to cram into a team. And that's not a dynamic I'm going to try and predict in terms of, does that mean we go for breakouts? Do we go for, you know, undervalued primos? Do we, you know, like it's a lot of water to go under that bridge, but it's something that will be a rather large factor in figuring out what, what we do next year. And I'm sort of, uh, in the same boat as Leck and Patch at the same time because Leck's get right. Get off the fence. coward. That's because you, you have to get the players that are going to score your points and you're, you're going to keep your team afloat. But if there's no rookies, then, then how are you going to do that? So I remember reading something the other day where someone who finished in the top 10 a couple of years ago, his strategy for picking a team was pick the rookies first and then and then put the primos around them, and maybe that's the tactic we need we, that we need to adopt to get our team off to a good start. And the, my biggest thing was I didn't pick rookies as they were coming through either, because I was very worried about job security the whole way through the season. Because I just and every person I asked, like you're a supporter of Hawthorne, does Will Day get does Will Day stay in the team? Apparently not. Well, he did. Uh, Caleb Sarong, I didn't pick him up because I couldn't. I, there was no one to literally move at that point in the season. I was very, very wrong about not going after these players, and that's something I need to pay more attention to. But 
the thing that I need to stop paying attention to is the draw. Because this year I learned it doesn't matter who the hell you play, players will score if they're good enough. Yeah, I, I agree with that demo. I, I'd always the only time I worry about who a team, who a player is playing, and it's on a week to week basis, is for captains. Captains. When I'm looking at my VCCs, um, I think I've said this before. I look at average against opponent, average at venue, and that's how I decide my VCC. Outside of that, I think I agree. I've thought way too much about the draw previously. It didn't leave me in good stead this year. I also struggled to pick up the correct rookies throughout the year. My cash generation was pretty low. Um, I could have mu- way, I could have easily fixed that when we got the five trade bonus at the start of the uh, upon return. I didn't use all those trades. I thought I'd be smart and try and outsmart everyone and and back in the rookies that I had that hadn't been named in round two to come in soon, and they just didn't. So finding the rookies that do plays is going to be is going to be key, and it's yeah, I, I think the the it's big, hard. Yeah, the big part of that is making sure you don't pick them in anticipation of them playing because you get your Will Gould sitting on your bench all season, and you just can't get rid of them. You just don't have the the spare trades. You can't afford to spend trades trading a one twenty three k rookie to a one seventeen k rookie. You just got to pick them as they're playing, and sure, you might get one sort of Caleb Sarong type player who might miss round one, and you assume they'll come in but the the less of those you can pick the better and you've just got to yeah think about it be, be smart looking at it going you know this this player's coming into a team that's rebuilding is going to be given games this player's filling a need in a side like um Bradley Close coming in when Ablett was out kind of filled that that um small forward role um although I could well be very wrong there considering I, I don't know how Geelong works but anyway yeah the, the case is still um, there that you, you need to be sort of paying attention to those rookies and you, you've got to be picking ones that are playing. It's also about watching the news, watching all the all the what the club is saying about the players when they draft them and, and through that preseason as well, if they're a first-year rookie. Uh, like a guy, and he this isn't a great example, but when GWS drafted Tom Hutchinson, they put out a statement that I'd seen and saved on my computer that said, we're drafting him to play him. So... Uh, then he got injured, but he did actually come in and play senior footy. So I'm sure if he was healthier earlier in the year, they would have played him as they intended. And unfortunately, he then got injured again. So it's not the best example, but they said they were going to play him and they did play him. I need someone to show me where Sydney said they were going to play Will Gould because all I read all year was he's close, he's a bit off, blah, blah, blah. If they say they're going to play him, I'm more inclined to believe than if they just say they're close. I heard that about every rookie this year. I rated Will Gould very highly when I was going through all the draft profiles, doing the draft content for the, for the website. But the biggest thing that I noticed was his endurance was, and it was an issue for most clubs. And on some clubs, due to his poor endurance, that's why he wasn't on some clubs' draft boards, and that's why he dropped as low as he did. He was a top 10 pick probably 12, 18 months out, but he was told that he had to improve his fitness to run out games. And so when he was picked up, I was hoping that he had fixed that, but the evidence probably shows that he, that's probably still something that he has to work on. And he's going to be a very good player, but obviously that's something that he needs to work on for the Sydney Swans to pick him. Yeah, along those lines, if I read that a player drifts in and out of games in their draft profile, 
I'm not selecting him in Supercoach next year. I'm not doing it. I'm not putting myself through that. Sam Flanders, I'm not putting myself through that. I read it and I thought, oh, but his, his high is so high. He scored, what, like 12 points a game. So uh, there's just some things that are obvious things you forget in a long season, but they're ways that we can improve. And um, overall, this year was was great fun to to practice and get, and try some different stuff. And I think I've learned a lot. And... I don't think next year is going to be a normal year by any stretch. I think even if clubs are playing at home in front of crowds, blah, 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 I think from a super coach perspective, Patchy pointed it out before, prices are all going to be skew-if. So there's going to be some some range and some opportunities to do some really fun stuff. So I think um, there's going to be some pod teams that, that do some damage next year. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we'll be going around again to be having that fun as well. So yeah, we're, I'm very keen for that. Very keen to get back involved with you humans. We haven't really discussed what we're doing over a break. Will we be having a break? I assume so. Some sort of a break. I'm just going to upload content when I can be bothered doing it. I'm going to be doing more draft content. I'll do a phantom draft. I will do trade coverage probably with Baron as well. So that will be on the website as it comes, um, as it's available to I us. Think, uh, I think last year those daily trade period wraps were a lot of fun to do, so we'll probably wrap, do those again. I liked doing them as well, yeah. We can do yeah. them as well. Mm, but the thing that will, will be, be most... some live streaming? Mm, Who knows what that looks like? Well, hint, hint, mm, wink, wink. Mm, there's in the works, stuff in the works there. We're not going to announce that yet. And uh, there will also be some some awesome stuff from Staddy Matty. I'm dubbing him right now. He's a he's the smartest human in the world. He is indeed. He is indeed. What a man! All right, Patch. Uh... Before we go, but before we oh, go, yeah, you go. I want to thank you two for 2020, the work that you guys have done behind the scenes for the community and in front of the mics have been has been fantastic. You've got some great guests on late in the season and um, it really pushed the website forward further. You got general soreness, you got the jock boys to do that meditation podcast and that was fantastic. And I just want to thank you guys for your 2020. You're going to make me cry, Damo. You, it was a pleasure to do it with you, my friend. Thank you, sir. Most of that, uh, most of that admiration goes towards like he, yeah, driving force of that. And I'm along for the technical glitches in the background that's my that's my job all right i love you both you beautiful humans both wonderful and thank you community as well for your wonderful thing you just keep doing the thing you keep being the best place on the internet you're the best you are the best go blues go zach williams